Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. We have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its video podcast, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living. So thank you to everyone in the sanctuary and to our beloved virtual community for being here today. Everyone's conscious presence truly matters. It is my honor and delight to offer today's message, which will include wisdom from both of this month's Reverend Barbaras. We had two Reverend Barbaras this month, both of their messages, and also portions of my talk from a couple of weeks ago on rocking and rolling through life. And we'll toss in some paradox just to spice it up. And today I'd like to address a rock and roll that has been weighing really heavily in my heart. And that is the rock and roll between relative peace and the appearance of war. And war and peace and peace and war. And all of the places in between as I witness current events in the Middle East, in Ukraine, the US-Mexico border, and other areas that are ravaged by human conflict. It's been hard to know what to say and what to say to those in our community that are impacted by events. And I can't imagine that really no one is untouched. Like many of us, I've been in in silent shock and, and mourning. And I just want to say that my heart sincerely goes out to you, to your beloveds, to those responding. And I also acknowledge the lives of those who are no longer with us. May our gathering today be in honor of you all. And may we dedicate ourselves to breaking free of the belief that things must be either A or B. Let's break free from this polarizing or to liberate ourselves and therefore others by living in the unifying and as cosmic amphibians. Are you with me? Yes. Okay. Welcome. There once was an ancient fish. And you might remember this fish who went through many, many, many years of evolution to its moment of finding itself unable to breathe anymore in stagnant waters that had been its home and all it had known. And so it did something no other fish had ever done. It rose to the surface of the water and put its nose out it was a place between water and the unknown, 
And the first thing it did was breathe its very first breath of air. This was the fish's first step towards living in the water and on land. Because it had evolved along with this oceanic environment. It contained everything that it needed to live as an amphibian. It could breathe both water and air. And after many, 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 like millions of years, it adapted to live fully on land. This is our common ancestor. We breathe because it learned to. We see because its oceanic worm fish ancestors developed that ability. We have hiccups that are a remnant of the mechanism that allowed the fish to close the entryway to its lungs when underwater. Breathe and evolve, as Ken sang, grow. So there are creatures with us today that live the amphibious life, both on land and in water, tadpoles and frogs, newts, axolotls, lungfish, mudskippers, some of our crabs, there's diving bell spiders that actually bring a little oxygen bubble around itself and lives in the water that way. So they live in the and as amphibians. So how can we learn from them? We can recognize that we humans are also amphibians. Cosmic amphibians. So the word amphibian comes from the Greek word amphibios, and it means living a double life. We are of the cosmos, and we live in earth skins, earth suits. We are spirit and flesh. We are stars, and we are wrapped in these beautiful bodies. And perhaps this is why we feel such dissonance in the face of war, in the face of conflict and confusion. Our inner being knows this is not the truth of who we are. And yet we live and witness it on a daily basis. So how do we navigate the paradox of living as cosmic amphibians. How do we live and breathe in both worlds? How do we live and breathe in situations that challenge our deepest beliefs? How do we move from the tyranny and the polarities of the or, this or that? to the place of living in the and, and particularly in the midst of human, environmental, and all sentient beings' suffering. You'll know all the answers in about 20 minutes. <laughs> well, I'll start anyway with three things that I'll offer for navigating these paradoxes. One is breathe like the fish. Two is ask what would true do and live spiritual principles and practices as always.
So first, breathe. This sounds so simple, it sometimes sounds really trite. But when you think about it, when there's an emergency and responders show up and somebody's having an anxiety attack or a panic attack or they can't breathe, what do they do? They hand you a paper bag and say, breathe into this bag. Because it saves your life. It resets your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. The breath literally is life. And it's the first thing that we do out of the womb. We breathe. We have literally gone from water to land. We breathe in that moment. And at life's end, we breathe our last breath. One day, I actually choked on vitamins. I was by myself, and I literally could not breathe. And uh, believe me after this, and you can do this YouTube, what to do if you're alone and you choke. I highly advise that. Uh, fortunately, I was able to pound on my chest hard enough when I realized my neighbor wasn't home who I'd ran over and thinking I was going to die on her living room carpet. I can't do this to my friend Elena. <sighs> so, wow, did I realize that breath is my life. Let's not get to the point of that before we realize that. But we really pay so little attention to it. To deepen it consciously when our breathing is shallow, to use it to reset our parasympathetic so that we can get out of fight or flight when it's not necessary, to relax into it and to the life that it opens for us. It literally moves the life force in our bodies, the prana, some call it. It moves the life force in our bodies. So taking a breath in the midst of confusion you know, I want to say uh, one of the roots in the etymology of the word war is from the old German language, Wedden. And it is actually means confusion. War as confusion. Hmm. Anyway, we take a myth in the breast of confusion or outrage or shock or anxiety. This creates a space between a reaction and a response, right? Reverend Barbara Lager spoke of this in relation to where we put our attention to in a polarized world. We begin with the breath. It can make all the difference between an action or words that we can't erase and a response. It creates that space to invite a peaceful, non-violent, non-reactive response simply by breathing. So one, like the fishy, take a nice deep breath. With me now, if it feels comfortable. Just breathe, that's good. And we can. So. Two, ask, what would Shrew do? So those who heard the rock and rolling through life a couple Sundays ago might rem remember what would Shrew do. And the Shrew was a tiny, tiny, tiny creature that evolved from a single-celled organism, just as we all did, and it survived extinction. 
Now, I just want to say, I think Shrew was pretty flippin' rad. <laughs> Shrew lived out, lived out, lived dinosaurs and extinctions and the asteroid crash and being chased around by massive creatures that just wanted a snack. <laughs> and so, if Shrew was this pretty flippin' rad, we can think of a little acronym for, for Shrew. FRAD. Flippin' rad. So what's the F of the shrew do? Follow our instincts. Shrew followed its instincts. And we talked about this as intuition, as that gut response, as that inner knowing, as that inner truth that is often the first thing that pops up before our ego gets in the mind and says, nah, 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 nah. Know what is yours to do through this inner knowing and what is not yours to do. And develop the ability to discern between the ego and the instinct. So that's another talk. But the F is for follow our instincts. The rad of shrew is that the shrew rolled with the changes. Now, for generations, we have been choosing between seeming paradoxes, generations upon generations. We stand now really, and I would say have been for the last three years, on the precipice of everything seemingly falling apart. I believe Reverend Barbara L. Ledger, Ledger I hope I pronounced her name right, talked about this as what if it's not really falling apart but coming together? You might remember that. Because the systems and the ways of thinking and being that we have been using are no longer sustainable for everyone. And so like the fish's stagnant waters in ancient times that lacked oxygen, this doesn't work anymore. These things don't work. And so we no longer get to choose between economic growth or taking care of people, technological advances or preserving the environment, being conservative or liberal, taking care of ourselves or taking care of other people, personal safety or collective freedom, etc. Instead, what if we embrace the and? as the way to roll with these evolutionary, revolutionary, I would say, changes that are being called forth. These don't come from nowhere. We can do all of this. So rather than a this or a that, it's a this and that. Economic growth and take care of our people. Technological advances and preserve the environment personal safety and collective freedom, take care of ourselves and others. It's the and place. So that's the art of rolling with our evolutionary changes. The A in the rad is for adapting. We really are, and again I'd say for the last three years, have been at a tipping point in our world. We are in the progress and the process of major paradigm shifts. Shift is happening. Shift happens. <laughs> and it's really happening. 
And we can either continue to hold on tightly to beliefs and ideas and systems we know are no longer working for us, or choose to willingly adapt. The fish let go of everything it knew and adapted. And we, too, can let go to continue building new systems together. We must let go of what was when it's necessary to. Let go of our attachments. Let go of control. We talked about that two weeks ago. We think we have control. Well, we can let that go and live in the and. And we can be adaptable so that we can find new solutions, set aside seeming differences, and work together in the and. Is this easy? Well, kind of like a fish out of water sometimes. But eventually, we get used to living on that land, yeah? So the D in FRAD is develop new skills. So the shrew developed new skills. So we are seeking what is possible when we step in, develop the skill of stepping out of our rigid or ways of thinking. And we stand, as Reverend Barbara Weist talked about, with vulnerability and curiosity in the and. It doesn't have to be, oh, this and. It's this and, huh. Technological advances are being used to support the environment. Politicians are crossing aisles sometimes to pass necessary bipartisan legislation. Countries that take care of their people first are flourishing. And systems that need to crumble are left to go, naturally, while society focuses on building up the systems that need to continue to stand. So this is rolling with evolution by developing new skills. And like the fish, we have everything we need inside us waiting to be revealed. The fish didn't know it had developed lungs while it was hanging out in the ocean millennia or tiny feet and hands that turned into feet and hands here. We have and we are more than enough to evolve. Thomas Troward tells us that the divine spirit is the limitless potential of human life, which means the human is really divine and, and will ever evolve into newer and newer and better states of conscious being. Edward, uh, Ernest Holmes wrote that last part. So we ever evolve into newer states of conscious being. So now we're going to move from what would Shrew do to aligning with that divine spirit to evolve through living science of mind principles and practices. Uh, our practitioner, Nadine Moeller, calls this, what would Uncle Ernie do? As in Ernest Holmes, who is the founder of the Science of Mind, which is really a beautiful collection of all of the ancient wisdom and new thought, all in one beautiful package that we teach here and we practice here as a philosophy and as a way of life. So I'm guessing that Ernest would probably remind us to be in spiritual community as we are today, do our daily spiritual practice, 
things like our, we talked about a couple weeks ago, our inspired readings, we study, we have amazing classes here at the center for everyone. We practice our affirmative consciousness statements. Some people call it affirmative prayer, spiritual mind treatments. We speak the word into truth. We meditate to breathe, <laughs> to see clearly, to experience freedom from anxiety and worry by releasing thoughts and being present to the gift of the moment. And newly added today, I believe it is a spiritual practice and we can make it be a spiritual practice to practice the and. So if I'm, you know, in Science of Mind, we often say we need to look beyond the circumstances to know the truth. Yes. Well, do I look beyond circumstances or do I acknowledge what's happening? How about both? How about I look beyond them in the way of affirming the truth that I know to be true always, which is the peace and the beauty and the joy and the harmony, while I acknowledge the circumstances, while I also acknowledge my own feelings, my own vulnerabilities, and I tend myself in my helplessness when I feel that way, which I have a bit lately. I can tend to those feelings. So we can both look beyond them and affirm the positive and the truth and acknowledge. So do I do affirmative prayer or do I act? Well, both. Treat and move your feet. We used to have a bishop in the Episcopal Church. He always used to say, you read that prayer book or that Bible, then you close it and you get on out there. We can do actions to support our feelings to support how we feel about what's happening. We can make donations. We can get involved in community action. There's a story of, uh, I'll share with you in a moment, about some people involved in this. We can reach out to those that we know are impacted and say, how are you? Would you like to talk? Can I bring you soup? You want some coffee? This must be hard, right? So we can also know the spiritual truth do I do that or do I watch the news? Well, we can do both. We can know the spiritual truths and we can be informed, all right, with a caution of just enough. Know just enough to know what you feel like you need to know to be in support of the people and the places and the situations that are near and dear to your heart and where people are suffering. Just enough and solid information sources, which means likely not social media, just saying. Uh, so, and in knowing these spiritual truths, we bring our attention to and we be these qualities, right? Be the peace that we want to see in the world, yeah? Be the love that we want to see in the world. Be the harmony, be the joy. We can give ourselves permission to be in joy, even when things are tough. The world needs the vibration of joy, and it's not selfish. I actually went to a performance a few nights ago, and, uh, and at the break, you know, there's 50,000 of us women in the bathroom and 50,000 toilets flushing at the same time, and, and it was actually hair, which all is, is about peace and war, right? We saw low steel in that. And I was like, oh, you know, oh my gosh, remembering the song about where have all the flowers gone, and 
all of the songs that we sang. Well, not quite my generation. I was a little before that. but <laughs> And I just found myself giving gratitude that I had a toilet to flush. And from there, I can affirm that for everyone, all legitimate needs are met. So as we're eating and we're remembering what's happening in the world, we can be grateful for every single thing that we have that is so easy to gloss over. We are in gratitude for that, and we affirm that, and we call it forth for everyone. So that's how we can do our spiritual practice of the and. And then, of course, we are in faith. And again, like I said, this is not a floppy faith of hoping or wishing. Oh, yeah. It's a mental attitude. It is a positive mental attitude. And you know, the mental attitudes become our emotions and our feelings and the chemicals in our body. So these support us as we live in this paradox of being cosmic amphibians in the face of confusion. So where are we? Oh my gosh. Uh, so we're at changing your life by changing your mind, of course. This is one of the hallmarks of science of mind. And we know that our inner world is reflected in our outer world. They are connected. And we know also that the universal creative process always responds to our innermost thoughts, feelings, beliefs, words, actions. So we pay close attention to these, knowing that we create through them. So we do need to pay attention and acknowledge our own inner conflicts. We all face inner conflicts on a daily basis. Our minds are often just battlegrounds of conflicting desires and fears and judgments. And if we rest in, when we rest in the and, and we practice Oneness, we practice non-duality, there is no this or that, there's no other, there's no anything outside of this, this, one thing. This teaches us to look within, to examine and embrace these internal conflicts. And when we see what happens, we can nudge ourselves into curiosity once we acknowledge our feelings and our conflicts and say, huh, I wonder how my inner conflicts are mirrors of external wars. Do my struggles with scarcity or not enoughness or doubt or a need for power because I feel helpless, are these reflected in what I'm seeing in the world? So let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me because I I'm honest about my inner conflicts and do what I can to resolve them. I look at what is my, when do, where do I have the need to be right? And what is the cost? Where am I unwilling to let go? Where is my righteousness? And how helpful is it? And how much are these connected to the unyielding need to be right in arguments and conflicts and wars? And what might we gain by prioritizing understanding our over, understanding over the need to be right? Doesn't mean we agree. 
Let's come to understand over being right. And I want to, what, what about, can we empathize with people that we perceive as the enemy? Now, this is hard. This is really hard. Can we consider the humanity in individuals, in groups, who are labeled as adversaries? And how might empathy alter my approach to resolving conflicts? So I, um, as a late teenager, I was abused by a guy on our first and last date. And not too long ago, actually, I remember that he suicided shortly after that. And in that moment, I realized what a tormented soul he was. And I was finally able to understand and forgive, which doesn't mean it was right. It just meant I understood. So how can we empathize with those we perceive as an enemy? And lastly, what if there were no us and them in the world? No us and no them. What would it be like to live in a world without these labels? What labels do we use, and are we willing to let them go? So when we have this willingness to look inward, we see that the essence of oneness lies in recognizing that the boundaries we construct and the labels we construct are a product of our mind. They are stories, they are narratives, and they give rise to nations, ideologies, and conflicts. But they are not the truth. And then we can start to sense an invitation to peace and freedom. We realize it's not just the absence of conflict, but in knowing what is needed is our collective reawakening to the unity of all existence. Our collective awakening, a united state of consciousness of the oneness that is all. Because the truth is that there is a unifying force back of life. And it is the oneness of all life. There is no other in it. There is no or in it. This is where true peace and freedom lie, in our inner world and in our outer world. So this is some suggestions on how to navigate the paradox of living as cosmic amphibians, breaking free of the or and embracing the and, evolve by living in the and. We breathe like the fishy. We do what Shrew would do. We follow instincts, adapt, roll with changes, develop new skills. And we live our spiritual principles through community, practice, faith, looking at our inner world and remember the truth that there's a unifying force back of all life. And it is the oneness. So are you ready? to take divinely inspired right action to break free from the or living and live in the one, the and of oneness, as cosmic amphibians? Yes. 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 All right. A little bit more. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's take this into a very, very quick affirmative statement, knowing that, indeed, 
in the power and the presence and the wisdom of the one is the way of deeply knowing and practicing and living the truth, the unshakable, indestructible truth that everything is actually one. Everything is one. And as we step forward today, we step forward in the willingness to know that we have everything that we need inside of us to look with ourselves with compassion, embrace ourselves as we also navigate these conflicts and confusions in the way towards peace. We live our lives as peaceful beings, bringing peace to each situation in our mind, in our inner world and our outer worlds, knowing that we are fully supported. And in so doing, we are free. And when we are free, everyone is free. I'm so grateful to know this is the truth. And in that gratitude, I release my word into the cosmic womb of infinite potential and possibility, that place that always says yes. I simply let it be, and I allow it to be, and I welcome it to be. And we say together, and so it is. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Our inspirational service is at 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.